What's good? This is the Creator's Room podcast. Came to the right place. <laughs> this is uh, Kyle Loftus here, and today I am sitting down and chatting with the lovely Whitney A. White. Whitney uses her talents to catalyze big change, launch new ventures, and coach creative entrepreneurs. Whether it's implementing a multi-billion dollar merger integration or simply helping an e-commerce platform launch, Whitney uses her talents and skills to help coach CEOs, startups, and creative entrepreneurs with her insights, integrity, and boundless energy to lead them to the results they have earned. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode as we explore how to maximize on people, systems, your business, and how to take back your time. Let's do it. All right. Here we are. Here we are. Whitney, how's it going? I'm doing well. Looking forward to chatting. Awesome. So, you know, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, um, Whitney A. White, can you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to us elevator pitch style here? I am Whitney A. White, and I help high achievers who have incredible visions for their lives through the noise of the million and one things on their plate so they can get clear and focused on achieving those goals that matter to them most. Wow. You sound very helpful for our listeners today. I'm very glad we have you here. Um, so, uh, <laughs> um, Whitney, can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, your personal journey? You know, how did you get to this specific point in your career now where you're helping CEOs, creative entrepreneurs, people that are leaders of, of multi-billion dollar companies. Um, where, did, where did you start? How did you get here? Yeah, I actually started my career in management consulting. I was working with a big strategy firm where, it, and I know it probably sounds crazy, but right out of school. So literally, at 22, I was advising Fortune 500 executives, and I wow. definitely learned a ton in in that experience. And then over time, I got more and more interested in tech and e-commerce, and then switched into that space before starting my own business. Wow! And what was that like being 22 doing that? Like, was it was it hard to earn? these people's like respect, like how did you have to present yourself and, and go into this, you know, I guess like war, war field, I feel like, you know, being, being 22 and just getting thrown into, uh, getting thrown into the fire with these, these CEOs and owners of, of these huge companies. You know, I don't think most of them knew how young I was. <laughs> so I wore, I wore a suit every day, um, for sure. And the clients knew that you had younger folks out of school, earlier career on, on these projects as well. But I think for a lot of the clients, the view was, okay, if these folks are in their 20s working on these super high priority strategic initiatives for big companies, they are whiz kids. And that was really how how they viewed folks like me on, on these projects. But okay, for people right, right. in particular, I definitely was was really thoughtful just about how to present myself as a professional and and all of that but but honestly I never I never really I never even had anybody ask me yeah <laughs> you know how much I how far I was out of school or ask me any any questions that would, would, wow. would reveal that no people were really focused on 
the work, the quality of the work and just the outcomes. And, you know, if you kick ass, then folks don't necessarily say, wait a minute, is this person qualified? Yeah, <laughs> I hear you there. So so you transitioned into more tech e-commerce. How did that lead to, you know, the path that that we're on now of, of you know, really coaching and kind of helping people out here now? You know, where did that transition start to happen where you were like, I, I want to, you know, have my own business? Well, I think because I'm such an independent person, I had an entrepreneurial spirit just in inside of me. I started my very first business when I was a kid and ran that business until I went off to college. And so I was familiar with entrepreneurship and I really liked the independence that came with it. So when I was working in e-commerce, I got the idea to start my own business on the side. And I actually worked on that business on the side for two years before going all in for myself. And maybe some of your listeners can relate. Sometimes you feel like, okay, I want to really start this and bring it to life, but you're not quite sure that you're going to have the money coming in um, to be able to quit your day job. So I worked on the side for two years before then making the leap to work for my own business for our global full time. And I got into coaching some years later because with Afara Global, I was helping my clients startups, big corporations, nonprofits, launch and scale new products and services. And so I was working with executives on just top priorities, but also visions that they had. They had these visions for an idea for a new product or to take the business in a different direction or to to you know make some significant pivot that was going to open new markets. Whatever the case was, they had these visions. And a lot of them also had visions for the kind of impact that they wanted to have, the impact they wanted to have within their organizations, and also the impact they wanted to have in broader society. But what I noticed was day to day, even though these were super highly qualified folks, high achievers, they were just getting overwhelmed because they had so much on their to-do list. They were trying to lead these organizations. They were also trying to juggle things in their personal life. And at the end of the day, they were not making the progress that they truly wanted to make. And so I said, I want to create something to help these folks. And that became Take Back Your Time. Wow. Awesome. Uh, you know, before we get into take back your time, um, I do want to talk a little bit more about, you know, your own personal journey. And so when we're looking at, you know, you making that jump to running, you know, your own business full time, where where were you at when you decided to make that jump? And, you know, I, I'm not necessarily asking for numbers, but, you know, if you could give an idea to our audience here, like what percentage of your income was coming from this side business or did you do market research? Like, how are you how are you giving yourself that that safety net feeling or was there no safety net feeling? Were you using anything that really told you like were, was there anything tangible that you measured or that you had that yeah. you knew like, OK, I know I can be successful doing this, or did you kind of just take a leap of faith? You know, it was a bit of a mix. So those first two years when I was working on Afara Global on the side, in so many ways, I did everything wrong. I did all the things that I advised my clients against and that I helped my clients avoid. (laughs) (laughs) So I absolutely, 
absolutely had plans. I had business plans. I'd done competitive landscape analyses. So I knew what was the, what happened in the marketplace and who the competitors were. I had all of this information around financial plans and projections and marketing plans. And I had a website and business cards and I had custom fonts and logos. I mean, I had all the things and I was networking, doing business development. I was going to conferences and traveling. And so what I really had was a lot of expenses and not much revenue actually coming in from this business. And so the business had existed for two years and had been in the red both years. And actually it was a leap of faith in the sense that I've been working on this on the side two years at night after work on the weekends and had made very little money very little money with a whole lot of effort and investing money into this business. So I saved from my day job. So I did have savings to, you know, to kind of fall back on. And I also had a feeling that, okay, if I focus on this full time, I'm going to make more progress in in the business. And in some ways that is what happened within six months of focusing on my business full time. I was profitable in the black and have been ever since. However, it wasn't so much just about focus. It was about focusing on the right thing. When I was so scattered before I wasn't focusing on what was really going to make the biggest difference in terms of me being profitable in that business. Yeah, no, I I totally hear you there. That's, so important. Um, reminds me of a lot of books I've been uh, reading this year. Like I'm not sure if you've heard of Atomic Habits by James Clear or The One Thing. Or, or right now I'm reading um, The Essentialist, which is all about essentially what you're kind of talking about. You know how to really decipher the most important things that are really gonna benefit you and your business or you and your personal life as compared to like all these general things that we think are important or we think we need to do, but don't really necessarily do anything for our business, like answering emails, you know, like most likely all the emails you're answering in a day aren't necessarily going to really move your business forward. Whereas making that, you know, marketing launch or put finally putting out that new product might, you know? Yeah. The whole focus on focus is, is super important, but also to your point, focusing on the right things, things that are going to really make the difference in your business. But even if you go down a layer further to say in the business, knowing who is your audience, who are you really focusing on and not just, okay, my messaging is geared towards this particular audience, but is this the audience that's going to pay me? Is this the audience where my product is really going to resonate? And so interestingly enough, this was the type of work I've been doing my whole career. But, you know what they say, the shoemaker's children has no shoes. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's definitely harder when you're telling yourself those those things. And I can totally relate when entrepreneurs are, are struggling to focus on those most important things, because you don't always start your business because you are so excited about running it for the sake of running a business, something that you're passionate about, something that you really enjoy and that you want to do. And so in some ways I see many of the clients that come to me who are business owners get kind of trapped in the cycle of doing whatever is fun and exciting in the business without being able to pull back and say, what are my goals? What are my real goals for this business? And also for what it's going to do for my life and what is really, really critical to that, to accomplishing those goals and making sure that they are putting the time there. And then with that 
comes more freedom to focus on the things that you really, really want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so how, what does that process look like? Or, or I guess, you know, before we, before I, I, I keep wanting to dive right into the tape back your time because there's, there's so much there that I think is really valuable, but a couple more quick questions pertaining to, you know, your own personal journey and career. So, you know, as you're kind of developing this business, you know, let's say, let's talk about, you know, you, you've launched a business, you're, you're running it full time. What was that like, um, you know, having your first experience being like full time as an entrepreneur running your own business? Um, did it feel natural or did you feel like there was a lot of adjusting you have to do? Um, I think there's always an interesting conversation. You know, some people feel like entrepreneurship is kind of just born into, you know, some people are just born to be entrepreneurs. They, they just kind of can't be or do anything else. They have to have that independence. Um, whereas others say, you know, it's anyone can do it. But my, I guess my thought is, um, you know, anyone can do it, but you have to, uh, really have the passion and the drive for that one particular thing you're, you're really focused on. I definitely think that entrepreneurship is something that many, many people can be successful with. Not only folks who, you know, come from certain backgrounds or who have had certain experiences, but when I got into it to answer your question about working for myself full time at, at that point, it really was overwhelming. And that's even given the fact that I'd been an entrepreneur before and I'd been in business for my entire career. It was overwhelming because there were so many different directions I could go in every day based yeah. on my ideas, based on the upcoming deadlines or based on you know projects I wanted to pitch or based on potential collaborations or networking or events. There were just so many different things that I could consider in a given day in terms of where to put my focus and where to put my prioritization. And the reality is when I look back at it, those, those early months of working for myself full time, I simply was not disciplined enough. I mean, it was very much a scattershot approach. I was not super disciplined and things really started to shift when I started to use methodology that I use with my clients. I use a lot of lean startup methodology, which is all about data, rapid experimentation, everything really grounded in your, your target audience. And being able to use data and the ability to do very quick tests and iterate on the results of, of those tests to make sure that you're not putting a ton of energy into something that's not working. And instead, that when you're scaling, you can be scaling something that's truly proven for you and, and proven for your business. So for me, once I started to actually consult myself in a way in terms of being my own innovation um, advisor. Right, right. That, then that's where I really started to see the shift and get more traction in the business. Hmm. Wow. And so I guess, you know, transitioning that to what you're doing now, you know, helping and in, in coaching these leaders, you know, what are some of the biggest things you think that entrepreneurs struggle with, um, in regards to, to focus, like, why is it, why is it so hard to stay focused on that, you know, five-year goal or th that vision you have for your future? Why, why is it so hard to do that? 
Yeah, I will say there are a, a few reasons that jump out at me. One, lack of clarity about what the vision really is. Two, not having the the steps, the real roadmap of how to get there. And then three, not having that week-to-week prioritization that matches up with the roadmap. So in that first piece around not having clarity of the vision, I work with so many folks who are visionaries, people who can connect the dots, they can see opportunity, they can come up with incredible ideas. And because of that, in their mind at any given point, they may have five different business ideas. And yeah, day to day, they might be working on one or two, but then they're also going off in their mind on on some of the other ones. And then maybe they might work a little bit on this one or that one. And so there can be this kind of muddying of the waters of what am I really focused on right now? What is really the vision that I'm working towards right now? And it doesn't mean that all those other visions die, but it's okay to sequence things and say, right now, I am focused on this vision. And it's not just a vision about work or business, because it's all connected with the rest of your life. So being able to say, this is my vision for my life, across my business, across what I'm doing professionally, across my personal life, across things like self-care, and making sure that I'm being able to actually enjoy my life day to day. So making sure that there's a holistic vision, and you're really clear on it, is really super important. And it's the number one thing that when you say, okay, what are folks missing, that immediately pops to mind. That second piece around having the roadmap of how to get there is super important. And often the mistake is thinking, okay, this is where I want to go. And then it's what I was doing before with that scattershot approach of how to get there. Instead of saying, okay, here are the steps to get there. Because without the steps, without that roadmap, without that action plan of how to get there, it can just be overwhelming day to day. You got this big goal and then you don't know how to actually make it happen. And this actually ties in with what you mentioned a moment ago, Kyle, with emails and maybe just getting drowned in emails, but not doing that new product launch, right? And so without those steps in the roadmap, sometimes we just get comfortable doing just random things, just whatever, so that we feel like we're working. Busy work, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The busy work, I kind of put working in air quotes, because... We're busy doing things, but it's not actually moving us forward. And that connects me to that third piece that's the mistake of not having that prioritization week to week that ties back to the roadmap, which then ties back to that vision. So that prioritization will tell you, hey, I have to make sure that I'm investing X amount of time every week moving forward on that product launch. And I can't let emails suck up 20 hours in the week, right? So having that clear prioritization to know no matter what gets done this week, here's my top priority, this is going to happen, actually make sure that you move forward on the path so that you can get to the goal. And how do you do that as a business owner? You know, I mean, like we're, we're sitting here talking to people about like use the roadmap and prioritization, but you know, it's a lot easier said than done. Like what, what, what are some of the methodology? What, what do you utilize when you're working with your clients? Like how do you help them develop that roadmap and really figure out what is the, the top priority for your business? I love that question because a lot of times when folks think about what it is that I do and take back your time, or if they think about, you know, other resources, they're thinking, okay, what is the magic bullet? Like there's a magic tool or (laughs) planner, or I get that. One would wish. (laughs) It's like, what's your favorite planner? Um, So 
what the reality is, and yes, there are tools and systems that I use in my program that I have created, customized for my program and that my clients adopt. And we have a whole language of things uh, that will not resonate with anyone unless they're in, in my programs. But the core pieces are not just those tools. The core pieces so that people actually use the tools are support and accountability because there are so many books out there. There are so many books. There are so many resources. If people wanted to Google time management, prioritization, goal setting, you can find tons and tons of resources. And what I have learned from doing not only the initial work to develop the curriculum, I did hundreds of interviews. My undergraduate background is in anthropology. And so I've oh, always very been cool. really interested in digging in and understanding people and cultures and, and how they impact and interact with one another, all of these things. And so to develop the curriculum, I came up with just all of these really insightful questions that I wanted to know the answers to and interviewed all these folks. And everybody said, time, time, time. It's time. Time is the problem. And that's why I named the program Take Back Your Time, because I knew it would connect with my target audience. But it really wasn't about time. It's about what we're talking about in the sense that it was about having that clarity, having the path, but then also the support and accountability. And so what I would say to folks whether it's that they're working with someone who's a coach like me or they're saying, hey, I'm going to get in a group of folks who have similar goals and we're going to hold each other accountable to making sure that we stay on track once we have that clarity, once we have those paths. That is really what makes the, the biggest difference. It's knowing that, hey, when I hit a tough spot, there's someone there to support me. And when I maybe feel like I don't want to focus or I want to go off and, and daydream and, and not, you know, really hold myself to those deadlines for that new product launch, for instance, or for making those pitches so I can bring in new projects, someone's going to ask me about it. Someone's going to hold me accountable. And I am going to have to account for whether I did this or not and, and why I didn't do it. And so just having a little bit of that positive pressure to say, okay, I'm going to get this done because I have the accountability. It's super, super important. So, you know, how vital is having like, I guess, having some, some sense of a support system or a mentor or a coach, like, is that like almost a requirement from your perspective as a business owner? I would definitely say so. And it can look in different ways. First of all, I'm definitely not saying this simply because I'm a coach. I am so, so fortunate that throughout my career, I have had mentors and folks who had been in the places where where I was and people who had been there before, people who had experiences that they could share and expertise. So I've been super fortunate in that way. I have also hired coaches. I've had coaches back before I was a coach and really saw the value of having someone who even more so than a mentor is very specialized in whatever that area is where I felt like I needed the most help. And frankly, where you don't feel like maybe you're bothering them if you're kind of always asking questions. You know, when you're getting free help, there's definitely a, a limit to how much you um, you can ping folks about things. And so definitely having having a coach who I know I am paying this person for this service and I can go to them with these questions and support is something that I have found to be super, super helpful. Also, that community and you you mentioned it a bit. The community of other folks who are entrepreneurs, who are working towards similar goals, overcoming similar challenges is 
just super, super helpful because you form bonds with those folks. You can share the day-to-day struggles and encourage one another. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I totally agree. I mean, how important would you say is it just like, I guess having someone to just talk out the ideas. I mean, how much of the issue is that for, for business owners and creative entrepreneurs, just really being able to, I guess, um, not, not just work it through their own brain, right? Like talk to someone else and actually like, I guess speaking and, um, writing out like, right. Like you can visualize and get more of an idea of like what your actual idea or vision is or like how realistic it is. It's super helpful because we have blind spots. We all do. Right. There's not one of us who can see the back of our own head. We need mirrors. And so having someone else where you can talk through your ideas, but also the challenges that you're facing in your business. I mean, there are so many times when my clients have aha moments and they're like, why didn't I see this before when I'm pointing something out to them? But you don't need to, you know, kind of be too hard on yourself or or beat yourself up in those situations because the reality is we all need someone who can see things that, that we can't see. Yeah. And I'd love to talk more about, you know, what, what are some of the common things, one of the, some of the most common issues that your clients come to you with? And what are some of the most, I guess, common methodologies or practice you use, um, you know, with your clients to, you know, I guess, help them take back their time? Yeah. So one of the biggest problems that my clients often have is that they are so, so busy, so busy doing so many things that they don't even know where their time is going. And when I say they don't know where their time is going, they know they're busy. They know they're doing a lot. But if you ask them, okay, what exactly are you doing every week? They don't know for sure because they're simply running around from, from one thing to another because there's so much on their plate. And so one of the things that we do is get really clear about exactly where all of their time is going and also get really clear about exactly where they want it to go. Because without that level of purposeful clarity to say, okay, this is really aligned with my vision. This is where I really want to be focusing and spending my time. It's easy to stay on those same, you know, on the hamster wheel, really on that hamster wheel of running, running, running. I don't know where the time is going. It's evaporating. And I just know that I'm not moving forward on my, on my actual projects that are most important. And so it's super key to first really figure out not only where you want to go, but then, okay, where's all the time going? Honestly, I get excited about, there's some exercises that we have in my program around this. And I get really excited because it's like a treasure hunt in a way, (laughs) because often, you know, clients just don't know. And even just talking it through and using the exercises, they, they still end up feeling like there's time that's missing. And I don't know where it's actually going. Or on the flip side, there are people who think that they're spending way more time on certain things than they are. Yeah, so I will have clients yeah. that I literally have to tell them, you don't have an extra day in your weeks that nobody else has. There's no way that you're spending this much time on this project and this much time on this and this much time on that because you have run out of hours in the week. We all have the same number of hours in the week. So there's there's a disconnect in terms of the perception and then the reality. Yeah, which yeah. Someone might feel like, wow, I'm working, working, working. I have no idea why I'm not getting the outcomes, but there's that disconnect because on their own, they can't really see where they're putting their efforts. 
Yeah. Man, that's so true. So what like what do you do once you've done that exercise? Once you've figured out like, okay, um, I'm investing way too much time in emails and I don't know, reading. I need to invest way more time in running ads. Like like how like how do you once you have the information, how do you decipher it with your clients? Yeah. The you know it's interesting because once we have the information, we don't spend a lot of time reflecting on it. Everybody has their own style and I'll be really, really candid that my style is not for everybody. I am super action oriented. So we don't spend weeks and weeks, you know, just unpacking and and thinking and reflecting. We start very quickly to get things done. And so once we know, okay, where we're, this is where we're going. Here are the areas where there's a disconnect between where your time is, is going and where you actually want to be going towards that vision for your life. We start making changes. We start having conversations with people. There are people that you might need to tell, I'm not going to be able to continue working on this anymore. Or there might be people on your team who you need to take on more responsibility. Or you might have business partners where you need to restructure some things or create certain boundaries. And there might be areas where you've been putting things off. And and I see this a ton also with my clients. Beyond tough conversations that they need to have with people in their lives, they also have to get disciplined around, hey, No matter what happens this week, I am going to invest the time in this area because this is super important. And so what that looks like is, frankly, a lot of hand-holding. Me holding my clients' hands through difficult conversations, whether we're writing emails together, whether we're doing phone scripts for a call that they're going to need to have with someone, whether we're role-playing a tough interaction, or we're preparing for a pitch or a presentation, or we're blocking time off on the calendar where they're going to commit no matter what to get a certain thing done, and I'm going to hold them accountable. If these things were easy, they would already be done. So I recognize that they are difficult and that it can be a challenge for clients to overcome fears and and push through doubts and, and really just make these things happen in terms of those priorities where they really need to focus. But why I push my clients to not overanalyze, not get stuck in their brain, thinking of you know all the things that make them nervous or that could go wrong, but instead to move forward and take action, is because once they see the positive outcome, then they can build momentum. They see the positive outcomes and they thought, oh my gosh, I was so nervous about telling that person no or having this conversation with my business partner. And now I'm relieved. And now I'm so excited about the positive outcomes that are a result of that interaction. And so now I'm ready to move to the next step and the next step and the next step. And so it's kind of like the swimming instructor um, throwing me into the deep end, into the pool when I was a kid. It's, it's kind of like that in a way. We know what the goal is. We're learning to swim. Yeah. So, you know, I could stand up there on, on that platform, you know, making excuses and trying to stall or whatever the case is. But at some point she threw me into the pool. Um, and that's what happens with my clients, honestly. Yeah, it's that, uh, I guess, uh, the sink or swim. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you're... Uh... Don't think. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not having them do anything that's going to be, you know, the end of the world or any of that, right? We're actually starting with small steps, but it can feel like such a big step, right? Because when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're a creative entrepreneur, you have so much passion and excitement and joy in what you do. 
right? Like this business is your baby and you can just be really nervous about taking certain steps. And sometimes it's not even nervous that things won't work. You might be nervous that it will work, that it will succeed. And then what, how might your life be different? Are you going to let yourself really hope and dream in that way? And so being able to say, you know what, I'm going to get this done. I'm just going to take this step and I've got someone to support me really can make that difference in terms of the leap off the diving board. Yeah. I mean, it can just feel overwhelming. And as you're kind of mentioning, well, we're both mentioning, you know, just super, super challenging for someone as a business owner. I mean, just change in general can be challenging for anyone, but especially um, as a business owner, when it might be a a big change. Um, You know, when you're looking at that with your clients, what what are some of the big reasons you think people are hesitant to make shifts or changes to their business or their systems and operations? Or how do you help clients when they're really struggling to let go part of their business? You know, as creative entrepreneurs, we're, we're so tied to our business, as, as I think you mentioned earlier, like it, it's our baby, right? So it's like, it, we can't let go of it. it. It's so hard. So how do you how do you help clients see the bigger picture with with those things in mind and make those adjustments? Yeah, that letting go piece is so huge because often my clients come in and they are trying to do so much themselves and they are afraid to delegate. Yeah, yeah. Critical to a business, but they're afraid to delegate because they feel like either the other folks on their team or someone that they might hire is not going to do as good of a job. That person's going to drop their baby, right? And nobody would want that to happen. And so there's that fear. And then other times, even when they have other folks on their team who could do the work, they might feel like, well, I don't want it to be like I'm putting everything off on those people. I need to do a certain amount and feel like I'm pulling my weight. In both cases, what's really important to understand is that there are places where that founder, that business owner can add differentiated value where they can add value beyond what other folks can in that area. So yeah, instance, yeah. If you are a photographer and you are spending tons of time on scheduling shoots, you're spending tons of time answering emails, you're spending tons of time getting invoices out and collecting payment. There are other people who could do those things, but there's not someone else who can get behind the camera on that team, maybe in the exact same way that you can. If you're just starting out, it might be you as the only photographer, and then you are trying to do all of this work that a support person could do. And what's going to make the difference in terms of you being able to grow that business is having more time on the photography side. And then you can have someone else do all of this administrative work that's not high value. Also, once you grow the business more and you get more and more demand for your photography, then hire another photographer. And then you're going to be able to be more in the place that makes you most happy, most enjoying your work because you can cherry pick the shoots you want. Yeah. But if you're stuck in the weeds, if you are stuck deep down in the weeds of all the emails and all the scheduling and doing the payment and the finance stuff, you're not able to focus on why you're in this business in the first place. So there's always that need to really balance working on the business to push it forward versus simply being a cog in the wheel, just working in your business every day in a way that someone else could really take off your plate. 
Oh, yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, And, you know, when we're keeping all of this in mind, you know, is a team a requirement to be successful as as a business owner and an operator, as an entrepreneur? Do you need a team? Um, you know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? And, and what are your thoughts just on having a team in general? It really does depend on your work. I am a big fan of also using systems and certain you know, automation. So for instance, even in my own business, I like to be pretty lean. And also just with my experience in tech, I'm always thinking, okay, is there a system that can automate this as opposed to someone having to do manual work? Um, So it does depend on your business, but depending on how you grow in terms of the size, there will likely be a point where you will need another human. Even if you're using, you know, tons of of tools and processes, there will likely be a point when you need another human, even if that person is a part-time assistant who is responding to emails, for example, or checking reports from your systems or making sure that the systems are operating the way that you want them to. Things that keep the systems on track but that don't require tons and tons of of manual work. So in most cases, you really want a mix of good systems and also a human to make sure that things are are staying on track. Right, right. What are what are some uh, what are some examples? Maybe we can fire off a couple quick things here for our guests. Uh, or excuse me, for our listeners here. What are what are some quick tools or platforms that you love to utilize that help just you know better keep your your business and organized and help kind of automate some of your systems. Um, for example, you know, for me, uh, you know, like HoneyBook, that's that's a, a client relationship management software that I use. Um, really, really great for just keeping on track of invoices, um, helps automate the process um, with sending out emails, questionnaires, brochures, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, in particular, even for, for folks who apply for my programs, for instance, and this will give you a few tools all in one. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I use Acuity Scheduling. So it's a great tool in terms of being able to set up various different calendars. I have different calendars for different programs. I'll have different calendars for special opportunities to be able to chat with me complimentary or whatever the case is. You can restrict access. It's a super helpful tool. I use that for folks to be able to put time on my calendar and then they are linked to a form, a questionnaire that they fill out. So I don't need to email them anything. They've got that questionnaire. I use Wufu, which is a part of SurveyMonkey, but it's just a form builder. So it's easy to use, not complicated at all. And it's great in terms of embedding forms, being able to custom design the pages so they fit your brand. So I use Wufu. And then Acuity is really great with sending reminders. Before I had Acuity, I was sending folks manual reminders. Oh my gosh, back in the Then I had my assistant sending manual reminders and that is just not very efficient. Um, So, so I love that. I love that about, about acuity. And I also use it for recurring payments. So if I've got recurring charges, I, I use it for that. And it's super, super helpful. One of the things that honestly I'm really big on in my own tech stack is not having a bunch of different tools. If I can find a few tools that will do, uh, that will do multiple different things, then I am, I'm all about that. I really look to have tools that I can use for, for a bunch of different reasons. Now, 
when my systems need to talk to each other, I do use Zapier to be able okay. to yep. connect whenever I need to be able to integrate things in a system. You know, I needed to talk to another system. So I find that super helpful as well. And, um, you know, when you're working with these entrepreneurs, these business owners, they're all in so many different and various industries, career paths, but there's got to be commonalities. So what are like the most common trials or tribulations, you know, business owners um, face? I guess that what are the most common things you think we, we all kind of face or or maybe the most common challenges we put ourselves through for whatever yeah. reason. Um, and what are maybe some exercises? What are what are maybe like two or three exercises you'd recommend people could do like tonight that could help them get a bit more clarity um, on what they need to do with their business next? I love that question. And so often what I see is that whatever the issue is, whether it's we're having issues with this particular product or service. It's not selling in the way that we thought, or maybe we're getting bad reviews or poor customer feedback or cash flow is, is a problem in the business. Or we're finding that this is too ops intensive because we're having lots of issues fulfilling orders or handling customer experience. Often it comes back to not having enough clarity and focus in terms of your target customer, really understanding who that target customer is, who you are as a business so that you can really get your messaging to the right people. And so that you can make sure that you are offering products that are truly what is going to make them purchase now. So when I say understanding that target customer, what I see so often is kind of the scattershot approach where similar to the scattershot with the, the prioritization, there's this kind of marketing to everyone. I'm very, very clear on who my programs are for as far as coaching. And that's important because otherwise I'd be out here trying to communicate to everyone. And as they say in marketing, if you're marketing to everyone, you're not marketing to anyone. And yep. so often this is what I see in, in clients who are coming to me. They are either going after what they imagine is a low hanging fruit. Oh, these folks will buy my products or these are the folks I'm going to have the easiest time getting to buy my products. Or they're just trying to go after everyone without that really clear sense of, okay, who is really the ideal customer? Right. Who is really that target customer that's going to be best in terms of that vision that I have for my business? The folks who are going to be able to pay me what it is that I want to be paid, the folks who are going to be able to pay me on the payment terms that I want to be able to be paid, the folks who are going to have the, the level of resonance with my products and with my messaging, all of those things. And just really knowing who is that target and having a real crystal clarity around that and then knowing everything about them. So where where do they go online? Where do they go in the real world? What keywords are going to really send off, you know, alarm bells in their mind and say, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, this person's talking to me. This product is for me. So really having that level of clarity and then the discipline to say, I am focused on my target. I'm not going to get sucked into the trap of, oh, now I have to discount because 
I can't sell to the masses. And even though my target would be able to pay my full prices, I am not focused on them. And so I'm discounting my products because I'm selling it to, to the wrong folks. Or I have cash flow issues because I'm selling to folks who are not my target and they can't meet the payment terms. And so I'm having troubles collecting. Whatever those back-end issues are, which can also include, hey, I'm getting off of complaints. Maybe yeah. you're selling to someone who, frankly, didn't fully understand the product and it wasn't what they thought or, or whatever the case is. And so having that clarity and then that discipline means that you can really get that alignment that's going to make your business so much more successful. In terms of what your audience can do right now, look at the data. So when I say look at the data, hopefully you've got some data on on who your, who your customers are. Um, look at that data and really dig in to see what patterns emerge. So for instance, if you are B2C, so you're, you're dealing with consumers, look at who are the consumers that are buying my products? What are the behaviors? Are they buying in a certain, at a certain frequency? Do they order um, in certain volume? Do they typically find the website or do they find you via social? You know, ask yourself all of those types of questions. Are they typically using credit cards? Are they paying through if you've got, you know, PayPal integrations, et cetera? You know, are they using some maybe non-traditional payment options? Just really dig in and understand as much as possible about who those folks are. And where there are issues in the business, look at all of the details. If you are having issues with bad reviews, what are the profiles of the types of folks who are leaving the bad reviews? So immerse yourself in that data and see what trends emerge and try to remove the emotional piece. Try to remove the emotional connection of, oh, my gosh, this is upsetting or why don't these people love the product? And just look at what the data is telling you so that you can see those trends. If you're B2B, it's similar. If you're selling to other businesses, you'll just have a smaller data set likely really be able to see what the trends are and hear what the data is telling you. And what would, what, what, what does that look like for someone who's maybe like just starting out? Like they just started their business and maybe it's a bit different. Um, yeah. or like, like for instance, like, I guess lending an example here, like, let's say, um, someone was just starting their business as a, as a video production company, you know, they want to do commercial work and they live in, uh, let's say, um, Nashville, Nashville, Tennessee, they live in Nashville, Tennessee. They want to do commercial work. Like, where does that process begin? Do they just experiment, um, to really find like their, their passion and niche area and, and what they can do the best? Or is it, is it hiring, you know, people to do market research for them and say, Oh no, all the money's actually in corporate videos or like, uh, I don't know, reality TV, like, what do you recommend? Definitely do not hire someone to do market research. <laughs> do not do that. Um, start with testing. If you want to hire someone to help you with something, then have them help you figure out how to test. But just looking at numbers on the page and kind of theoretical data is, is not going to be as helpful, right? Also in a lot of these industries, everything is so fast moving that actual testing is going to make a big difference, right? So, you know, if I, if I keep going with this example of someone in the video production business, I have a client who is in 
a major U.S. city and has been in this business for a long time and looking at if we even use this and I'm going to talk about someone who's been in the business and then share how someone who's brand new could use some of the same types of approaches. Right. Sure. So for someone who's been in the business for a long time, he was having cash flow issues right within within the business. He was hiring crews. He had folks where basically he would, he would build crews and he'd be paying those people directly, but then he was having trouble collecting from, from some of the, you know, folks who was hiring his, his firm. Right. And so in looking at the data, there were particular types of projects that had this issue. And by saying, wow, wait a minute, ideally, I actually want to put more time and energy and focus on these other types of projects because they pay on time. Right. That seems intuitive. But when you're in the day to day and you're not able to pull up and really have that lens, that's the kind of thing that could be a quick fix, but you just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Someone who's just starting, they can do that same type of analysis by saying, okay, I'm going to pitch myself for three different types of projects. Let's say they're going to pitch themselves for something commercial. They're going to pitch themselves for, you know, for reality TV, for corporate. And they're going to see what kind of traction they get. They are the same them, right? They're the same person who's showing up in each of these settings, right? And they've got a certain background. They've got a certain skill set. And they're going to pitch themselves as strongly as they can. If they, let's say, pitch themselves for three projects in each of these three areas, we've got nine projects, and let's say they get two and they're both in reality TV, then that might say something. Right. Yeah. In terms of where their background is, is most attractive. But what I see happen over and over again is if the person says, no, I really want to do commercial. And then they just keep beating their head up against the wall of trying to do commercial when their business could be much more successful if they were focused in a different area. Yeah. The, the key for me is I am not. People aren't coming to me for help with their business so it can be a hobby. They're coming to me so that they can grow that business to support the vision that they have for their life. And so it's not going to make sense to beat your head up against the wall on something that is simply not working when you can be running a successful business that fits within the vision that you have for your life if you are actually focused on where your business can be most successful. Absolutely. And, and you know, as we're working to, to run a, round this episode up here, what are what are some of the keys to really being able to actually scale and grow your business? And these can be, you know, very specific, um, maybe steps you need to take, or maybe this could be, you know, more macro sense, um, kind of the, the, I guess, mental attitude we go into it with. Yeah, I would say the very first step is to get really real and clear eyed about where your business is right now. There are a lot of business owners and I was here because I was running that business on the side for two years and it was failing, but I was not really clear with myself about that. Right. Yeah. It was in the red and I was putting all this effort into it. And, you know, I walked around and I'm like, yes, I have this business and I'm going to conferences and networking, but I wasn't really open and clear eyed about the fact that, Hey, Whitney, you got to get real with yourself. You're doing something wrong here. This business is not succeeding. And so that first step is really getting real with yourself about where your business is. And a part of that is looking at the information that's in front of you, looking at the data, understanding some of those qualitative things as well, in terms of the level of stress that might be involved in running the business, the level of anxiety of, okay, can I pay all the bills this month or or wherever you are with it, right? Or it could be, hey, I'm doing well, but it could be so much better. 
And you might know deep down that you're not living up to that full potential of your business. And so whatever your reality is, it's important to first get really clear and be very honest with yourself about what is happening in your business. Secondly, leverage experts. If you're really serious about growing your business, and I say this, I do this myself, I have I have folks on my team who are experts in, in particular areas where I don't want to become an expert in it. I want to find the person, hire them, and, and have them be an expert in that so I can be an expert in the things that are most core to what I do and what I help my clients with. And I also tap coaches. I have a couple masterminds that I'm in right now where I'm learning a ton from folks who are all around the world and doing super interesting things in their business. And it's there's a certain level of commitment, frankly, when you say, okay, I'm going to get help and expertise in a particular area because yeah. I'm focused on improving in that area. So that second piece, once you're really clear about the reality of your business, the areas where you feel like, yeah, this is struggling, get expert help. And then that third thing that I would say is to really get into some community. One of the things that I have most enjoyed about the masterminds that I'm a part of is being surrounded by other entrepreneurs, people who are as passionate as I am about my business. They're as passionate about their business and being able to hear their stories, hear what's happening in their business, give them advice at times and have them give me advice at times. So getting in a community of entrepreneurs can be so, so important. And that's why your podcast is so great because this is a way (laughs) to virtually, you know, spark some of that same feeling of, Hey, there are other entrepreneurs out there who I can learn from. There are other entrepreneurs sharing ideas, sharing their challenges, their successes. And so having something like that regularly is super helpful. Absolutely. You know, and before we get into these last couple questions here, you know, I want to use that as a nice transition. Um, You know, I think you could be a fantastic resource for creative entrepreneurs or any entrepreneur in general, even business owners, you know, so would love for you to kind of help us out here. Where can people get in touch with you? uh, You know, if they want to potentially, you know, hire you as a coach or or maybe just see if they can get on a call, they got a quick question, Where, where can people get in touch? Yeah, so your listeners can find me at WhitneyAWhite.com. And if they want to chat about where they are in their business, the challenges that they're experiencing, get some advice, I am offering your listeners complimentary uh, one-on-one sessions with me. Wow. And this is going to be oh, a different amazing. from the website. So if, if you're driving, remember to write this down later, but otherwise grab a pen. <laughs> it's WhitneyAWhite.com slash biz. So that's going to be right to one of these special acuity calendars, like I mentioned, where they can grab time on my calendar. WhitneyAWhite.com slash biz. Oh, amazing. Thank you so much. Um, and as we're kind of working to, to close out here, Whitney, um, first of all, I just want to, again, you know, really thank you for, you know, taking the time to come on here and, and share your insight and value, um, what you've learned along your journey and what you've been able to, uh, you know, help and share with other uh, entrepreneurs to lead them to success. Uh, really, really appreciate the time and, you know, the value and I know our listeners do as well. So just wanted to uh, commend you for that really, really quick. Well, thank you. I am so, so happy for the chance to chat, Kyle. And I'm excited to also chat with some of your listeners. I hope they got tons of value out of our conversation. And I hope they'll reach out if they want to chat about their business. Amazing. Yes, yes. Um, So a couple more questions here. So um, one wanted to know, 
what do you recommend for business owners? Again, uh, we've got a lot going on in our lives, not just business wise, but personal wise as well. So what do you recommend for people to better manage the, the fear, stress and just anxiety that comes with running a business and, you know, trying to have a personal life as well? <laughs> I am super, super passionate about this. So I'm glad that you asked. (laughs) There's so much out there in just whether it's our just society and things that we're raised to think or what we might consume in terms of what we read or, or hear or listen to or just advice from family and friends that tell us, you know what, put in your your time now pay your dues, work super, super hard. You're going to make lots of sacrifices now, but later you'll be able to live the life you want. Later, you can be happy. Later, you can have time to relax later. And that is total BS because nobody knows how far out later is or if we even get to later, right? And so I am super passionate about folks, my clients and everybody being able to carve out that space, that time in your life to enjoy it now. Do not wait until some point way off in the distance where we don't even know if it's going to occur, where you say, I'm going to enjoy life then. And so it's super important to prioritize your own happiness. That can look lots of different ways. That might be that you wake up every morning and you have a morning routine where you have time for yourself, you you meditate, you work out, you have a healthy meal. And no matter what's happening, you say, I'm going to start my days that way because it makes me happy and it gets me on the right track for the rest of the day. Or it could be that you say, you know what, I have some friends that are really important to me. And no matter what happens in the week, I'm going to make sure that I check in and I call at least one of those friends and I have a catch up conversation because it energizes me. It's going to make me really happy. And I'm going to do that. Or it could be that no matter what, you listen to this podcast every week because it gives you a chance to, you know, (laughs) kick back, enjoy yourself, hear something that's going to be super helpful for you, for your business, helpful for you creatively. And also just simply do something that you want to do that's not work. So that is super important. Carving out that time to say, you know what, no matter what happens in the world, I'm going to invest some time in me. Oh, I love that. Uh, So amazing. Okay. Uh, we're we're going to end on a high note right off of that. So Whitney, this is a final question I always love to pose. So we got a hypothetical here that our audience just kind of forgot everything we were talking about. So you only get to leave them with one message. What, what would your message be? Your life is time. Your life is made up of seconds, minutes, hours, days that become years. When you feel like you're not in control of your time, then you're feeling like you're not in control of your life. So Mm. taking back your time is all about taking back your life so that you can really live the life that you dream of. Wow. (laughs) I love that. That is so amazing. Um, Again, Whitney, thank you so much for the time and coming on here. And thank you all for listening. This has been another incredible episode of the Creators Room Podcast. I'm Kyle Loftus. We are signing out.